And the season premiere of Studio Inter will be reviewing the Mercato with Di Marzio's uh, David Amoyal. We'll be re reviewing the Sassuolo game, previewing the Torino game, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Fammi ripartire il principe, vuole andare da solo Guarino, attenzione, se ne va largo dalla destra, il tiro, la spinta corta, finito, è gol, 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 attenzione Ronaldo, salta anche Marchegiani e mette dentro il 3-0, andiamo il principe, entra in aria, è solo, il tiro, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol, torna Ronaldo a battere questo calcio di punizione molto lungo per Zamorano che gira bene al centro, attenzione, il destro, violentissimo, è lo spettacolare gol da parte di Zanetti, la prima squadra che vince qua è la nostra Inter, l'Inter vince e dillo, campioni d'Europa, campioni d'Europa, campioni d'Europa, campioni d'Europa, campioni d'Europa, i più forti siamo noi. Benvenuti, bentornati to another season with Studio Inter. I'm your host Nima Tavalloi Ruzzari, welcoming you to a new season here with Studio Inter at Sempre Inter, but it's also our 100th Studio Inter episode. And to celebrate this momentous occasion, we have brought on the, um, uh, the English manager of, Di Ma of the GianlucaDiMarzio.com page, Mr. David Amoyal. Welcome to the show. It's great to be on. Congratulations on getting to 100 episodes. Hopefully my appearance will ensure you don't stop after today. So keep it going. It's a real pleasure to be on with everyone. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. You know that. Um, right. And I'm also joined by the Gentleman Ultras creator, the founder of Gentleman Ultra, Mr. Richard Hall. Welcome to Studio Inter. It's good to be back for the new season, Nima, and uh, good to speak to you again, David. Good to have you. Good to get to have you guys on. And we're also joined by two of our more regular panelists. He writes the uh, the previews for Semprinter. You could read his first piece ahead of the Sassuolo game, Mr. Mohamed Nasa. Hey guys, always a pleasure to be back on this. It's good to have you. And we are also joined by the latest edition, our, our summer signing at Semprinter.com. He still runs the uh, Twitter account over at Semprinta Madonina, but you can enjoy his articles on Semprinter. Welcome uh, to a new, to a, welcome to Studio Inter, Mr. Will Beckman. Good evening, everyone. Happy centenary. I would have brought a cake if I'd known. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I should just should just say that I, you know, I was more a spring signing than a summer signing because that's true. That's it was true. it was more March, so. Oh, that's true. But, that's that's but, true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But just yeah, to be but, but, yeah, but you, so so you just have to piss all over my my intro there. <laughs> no. It's it's week one, and I'm already being that guy. Yeah, exactly. Well, great. Uh, let's be that guy then, because uh, before we get into uh, all of us being that guy and talking about the Sassuolo game, uh, let's get into the Mercato review. And we have uh, David here with us, so let's get right into it. Um, uh, you and I, David, we're kind of the same age, and we're. We belong to that generation of uh, the classic rating style of one to ten Italian style. So I'm going to yeah. start. I'm going to start by asking you to give Inter's Mercato a rating of one and ten, one to ten, and explain why. So I think you know grading the Mercato is obviously hard right when the season starts. Uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Too easy to do it at the end of the season when we know how everything went. So I kind of try to have a formula where I ask myself, 
What were, in this case, Inter's needs going into the summer and how did they fill them? And that's, I think, is the best way to grade them at this point. We don't know what's going to show up on the pitch. I'm not going to overreact to what we saw yesterday in Sassuolo. But as I see it, Inter went into the Mercato having improved at the wingback position. That was definitely their weakness. They needed to give more options to Spalletti up front. It felt like Icardi and Perisic were really the only quality players. Then you were left with Candreva, Eder, and Karamo, who, you know, had his flashes, but isn't someone you can really count on. And they had it to add a little bit more to the midfield. So if you look at that, Versalco and Asamoa, I think, are outstanding additions. Uh, even Versalco is, uh, has some Serie A experience. Then they added De Vrij as an added bonus, bolstered a position where they were already strong. That didn't cost them anything, at least transfer fee-wise. Uh, Brendan Nangolan, who, you know, I, I don't think that deals as much as a home run as a lot of people have made it out to be. But when you have Spalletti as a manager, definitely a lot of potential for upside, the, upside there. And up front, I mean, you go from having Eder and Candreva to now having Kitabalde, Lautaro Martinez. Politano. So when I look at it that way, it's hard to argue that Inter didn't have a great Mercato, especially when you consider that to address all those needs, they didn't sell any substantial player. They kept Skriniar, they kept Icardi, they kept Perisic. Uh, you know, I think they did a really good job selling young players. So I really have a hard time grading this anything less than a 9 out of 10 based on what they needed going into the summer and the cost of it. Uh, I think they did a really good job. Hmm. So that's my take on that. That's, that's interesting. Um, Will, uh, do you, your question to David? Well, I think that probably leads, that, that grade probably leads on to my question fairly well, because uh, what the, the 9 out of 10 suggested that uh, Piero Azzillo worked extremely well this summer. And my question is a question that I go, kind of go back and forth on uh, every week, uh, and uh, something we discussed a lot last year. Um, do, has has he been given, you know, has he been given too hard a time down the years? You know, have have his some of the the poor signings been down to a lack of money, or you know, has he has he made mistakes that he should be held accountable for? This kind of this Auxilio paradigm, David. Where do you where do you stand? So. I think, you know, with any team, you kind of have to grade them within the context of how they can operate, what they can realistically do. I think, you know, Inter has had some financial fair play issues that stemmed, you know, before Auxilio's time. I think, you know, Inter, after winning the treble, uh, you know, maybe kept veterans too long, operated in a way that wasn't conducive to long-term success. So when I look at how Inter Auxilio has operated within that, I, I think he deserves a lot of respect. I think even the fact that we saw a player of Modric's caliber consider Inter's project, to me, that speaks volumes. We've also seen, you know, Nangolan, who's turned down deals to go play abroad, who was willing to join Inter. Look at De Vrij, too, you know, a centre-back who definitely had market with a lot of top clubs in the Premier League, and he was willing to join Juve. Look at Asamoah. He left Juve and was into the Inter project. So I totally agree. I think Auxilia has gotten a bad rap, but I do get that for fans, it's kind of hard sometimes to really think through the context of the situation and just look things in black and white. Uh, with the moves that are made. But when I look at, at how he could operate, it's hard for me to see that he could have done a much better job. 
Um, regarding uh, Modric, I think we go. It leads nicely into um, uh, Mohammed's question. So, Mohammed, shoot. Yeah, David. So, uh, look, the Modric saga is uh, has been unfolding ever since the end of the World Cup. And yesterday we saw a performance that was uh, less than desirable uh, of Inter. Do you think that Inter are going to pursue Modric again uh, in the January Mercato, especially since his alleged testimony or whatever, his affidavit to UEFA? <laughs> or do you think that Inter are better served pursuing someone else to cover that position for that particular, like, economical value well look i think if you can get a player of modric's caliber you absolutely try uh, no matter what i have to say um you know i was skeptical at first when i read the first reports but i kind of took it a little bit of kind of like the ronaldo to juve situation at some point players of that age have won so much at that club they got to wonder themselves you know what's the upside of me staying should i try something new so i get that real madrid maybe the idea of losing both ronaldo and modric back to back in the same window was tough to stomach so if i was in there i certainly would try Again, I, I think the only real, uh, you know, fault you could maybe give Auxilio this summer is that they kind of put Modric as a one or nothing type of player when maybe they could have looked for some other alternatives in that role. So I think if they can get Modric, I would look at that position in the January window in general, another midfielder. Maybe there will be some other opportunities like Rabiot hasn't extended his contract at a PSG. Uh, you know, one player that I really think would fit in quite nicely at Inter is Dembele of Spurs. That would be another player um, that I'd look at. So I definitely don't see any downside in trying to go for Modric. Obviously, you could get a player of that caliber. It would elevate Inter in a lot of ways. But I think Inter has to also really prepare a really good alternative because that's really the only thing missing on the team right now. Um, speaking of uh, players that have uh, stayed on this team, uh, Richard, you had a question for David as well. Yeah, hi David. Um, it's just on Mari Cardi, actually. Um, it seems to be that, you know, this contract scenario seems to come around <laughs> quite regularly with Cardi, where it seems yeah. like he's, where he's linked with Madrid and something maybe happens, a release clause is met somewhere else and into panic because the new bar has been set for where that needs to be. From, from your perspective, I mean, Icardi always never seems to really angle that move as such, um, even if, uh, you know, we've known his um, agent, should we say, do so. But the point being is it never gets the feeling that Icardi wants to leave. So would you think that now with this new contract supposedly on the table, this is now going to be a done deal again with another release clause in? Well, look, I, I think, you know, Icardi and his agent, um, I, I don't blame them for using the leverage that they do have. I mean, Icardi has gotten raises multiple times at Inter, but he's been a player that has certainly delivered. There's certainly a big market for him. You know, his exit clause was around $110 million. When he first signed it, that looked like an outrageous number, but still we've seen how the market changed. That actually turns out to be quite the bargain. Uh, I think, you know, if I'm an Inter fan, I'd be very pleased with the fact that Icardi certainly could have left. Uh, there's definitely clubs that would have been willing to pay that price and he could have gone 
a higher salary. And instead of pushing to a move, uh, he's kind of used the him and his agent have used that as leverage to get, uh, you know, higher wages. And I think, you know, especially when you see that Inter was angling to get Modric and paying him a high salary. If you're a good agent, you make note of that and you're like, hey, you know, we got the team captain, the best player. If you're going to raise the bar this way, you have to take care of us. So, you know, we've also seen this with Juve, with Ronaldo's huge wages. Now Pjanic is going to get a raise, too. So I, I could see that. I think, you know, I think Wanda Nara gets a lot of a bad rap for a lot of uh, things. But I think she's done a very good job, uh, you know, representing Icardi. And look, you know, they could have certainly left Inter's back in the Champions League now. There's been years when they weren't. I think, you know, it would have been understandable had he been gone. So my guess is if they agree to a new contract, I think it's going to happen fairly soon. You know, they're going to bring his wages in line you know, towards more of eight, nine million rage and make the exit clause a much higher. Uh, but I always see, you know, the exit clause, the player really has the control. If he doesn't want to leave, the fact that there's an exit clause really doesn't mean that much. So I think they've done a nice job of using the leverage that the market has given them. There's been more leverage coming between his performance and uh, the way Inter has raised the bar with their acquisitions. And I think it's going to end up that everyone's going to be very happy with the result. Right. Uh, we got a question because uh, we've been we've been promoting this on various platforms. So we got a question on our Facebook page from Daniel Hamilton, who asks regarding Rafinha, was there ever a possibility of a return to Inter? Or was that just uh, rumor, loose rumors? Uh, I think there definitely was some momentum more towards the beginning of the transfer window. I have to say when Inter qualified for the Champions League and they got that guarantee, revenue. I thought it was going to mean that they were going to sign at least one out of Cancelo and Rafinha. Then that came and went. They weren't able to close the deal for the deadline, you know, for his option. So I think since then there wasn't that much momentum. It's kind of a shame. I mean, I don't want to overreact to one match, but when you watch what we saw yesterday, that's exactly the type of player that was lacking at Inter. But uh, I think, too, Inter's going to get, you know, more creativity from someone like Kita Balde. So maybe some of the attributes that Rafinha uh, was giving could come from a different role. So I don't think there was too much momentum once the option to buy expired with Barcelona. Right. Uh, from Facebook, Vanno El Sali asks, what exactly happened in the Vidal negotiations? So this is a really interesting one uh, because there's a, I've read different versions of this. So obviously Inter had, uh, you know, Vidal, they would, Vidal for like the past two years has been open to joining Inter, returning to Serie A. It seemed that Bayern, they were pretty much fed up with him and they were ready to move on. But then Inter, what happened is they felt they had a chance for Modric. And then, uh, you know, not only so, I guess you could look at it and say, okay, you know, that was kind of silly. You had Vidal in your hand. You went for this Modric stream and you didn't close it and you lost out Vidal in that. But there's another X factor. And that is that Kita Balde, you know, I've seen a lot of people that say he has a Spanish passport, but my colleague Fabrizio Romano knows him really well. And he's been covering since his time at Lazio, says that he doesn't, he doesn't have a Spanish passport. So they wouldn't have been able to sign both Vidal and Kita Balde. So Inter looked at it, look, we can get Kita Balde in for sure. And I think he's going to be a really, really good addition for Inter. And we can try to get Modric. So that's what I was told 
was uh, the reason. Um, I know there's been some reports also that Vidal and Angolan were seen as too similar, but I don't buy that too much because A, Inter was pursuing Vidal for a little bit. I don't think they got at the last second a scouting report on Vidal, like they knew what he was all about. So I go more with the Kitabale theory on this. Cool. Um, uh, we have a question from uh, Lars Sambay on Facebook. He asks us, he asks you, uh, do you think that Suning will be able to bring Inter back to a top 10 European side? And he also says, I love your podcast, David. Kautschaland, uh, keep up the good work. <laughs> well, thanks so much for the shout out. Uh, always great to have Richard and you on the podcast, Nima. So I'm glad to be on with you guys today. Well, look, you know, I, I think, you know, Suning's done a really good job. With Inter, I was I had some concerns when we saw both Sabatini and Capello kind of leave uh, almost simultaneously. But then you look a little bit at Sabatini's track record. Now I heard he could be leaving Sampdoria after just joining them. So maybe, you know, that was more on his end than Suning. I mean, you look at their transfer window this summer. It's hard to argue with uh, how well they've done. I think they've appointed a lot of the right people in the management department. Uh, Oh, they definitely have a big financial resources. Let's see if, uh, you know, they can get over the financial fair play hump. I think the difference, like Roma finally got off their shackles of financial fair play. I think whenever Inter does that, we are going to see Suning being able to spend more. You even just look at the types of players that they brought in. They have some veterans. Roma's going more for youngsters. So long and short of it, yeah, I definitely could see Suning being a huge asset and in bringing Inter back to the elite in Europe. Um, Rasmus Rulikert asks us, do you think that Inter is covered with regards to defensive-minded midfielders? Inter has Gagliardini and Asamoa, but with Dalbert's display against Sassuolo, mm. it seems that Asamoa is, is probably best played on as a left-back. What's your thoughts on that? <laughs> that is a good question. Um, at first, I was like, I really don't like the idea of moving away Asamoa from left back because that's been a position where Inter has struggled so much. But then, you know, I saw Dalbert doing pretty well in the preseason. We've seen Spalletti with a good track record of getting these players back on track. But if Dalbert is going to be the player we saw yesterday, uh, there are some reasons to con for concerns. Now, I guess you could also play D'Ambrosio on the left on the uh, in a pinch. Um, it might turn out that I was wrong, that Asamoah could be more valuable in the midfield. They do agree Inter feels a little bit short in that position. I have a feeling once Nangolan is healthy enough to play, it'll be interesting to see where Spalletti puts him. You know, Maybe puts him in a more defensive position just because he has so many more options up front. That actually might end up being a pretty good solution. Um, we, we have a couple of questions uh, from Twitter that all kind of raise the same thing, and you kind of touched on that a little bit. But um, Mitch uh, uh, at M. Hayward uh, asks us, what level do you think the signings will elevate Inter to, and which signing will succeed the best at the club? Mm, it's a good question. So, uh, look, you know, Inter finished Fourth, there was a pretty big gap between them, Napoli, and Roma. I definitely think the signings they've made this summer bridge it pretty considerably. I've been pretty consistent. I've had Inter as the second best team in Serie A. I'm not going to overreact to yesterday. I mean, look at how many players were missing on the pitch, and you had a very good thread on this, uh, Nima, on it. Like, look, you know, Miranda struggled, but you could have De Vrij and Skriniar 
as the starters. You know, once Vershalko starts, that's going to help. Patisic only played a half. So uh, I definitely think these signings are good enough to make Inter. Like, uh, I don't think it's going to come to the last match of the season to try to qualify for the Champions League. Let's put it that way. As far as the best signing, hmm, that's a tough one. I, I've always been a big fan of Asama, and I think just because of the needs on Inter, he could be the most useful. Uh, I think Lautaro and Martinez and Kitabalde have the most upside if just one of those two completely breaks out. Like, look at what an upgrade that would be on Inter, having a third guy other than Perisic and Icardi. So I think those have the higher upside, but I think those... That helps the bigger need both as a left back and defensive midfield would be SMR. Um, at Mr. Sumbari asks, should Inter play with two strikers? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think the good thing Spalletti has shown that he is pretty flexible and having a lot of options on the squad uh, will be interesting. I think Lautaro Martinez and Icardi complement each other pretty well but also i think you know you could also see kitabalde in that uh secondary striker role so the more i think about it the more i think this is definitely something that needs to be explored um we have uh, we we got time for one more question we got so many questions coming in um uh, i wanted to ask you uh at me who writes our ratings wants to know what do you think inter lack as uh, um, like the modric midfield type player apart So I'm very curious to see what Nangolan is going to do. I, I think it's easy to say that it's that creative type midfielder. I'm kind of surprised they didn't go harder after Dembele because I really think he was the type of player that could have brought you know some of the qualities that Modric brings with a lot less headaches. So I think that's exactly the player that Ender is lacking. But I'm curious to see how Spalletti is going to incorporate once all his players are healthy or in form. Uh, I think, you know, creativity can come from different areas. It doesn't necessarily have to come from a classic regista. But if you really wanted to, you know, pick an area where Inter could have done better, that's it. Right. Before we let you go, I got a couple of quick questions. Uh, tell me the from six to one how you think the Serie A will finish and the top goal scorer. So we did this on my podcast, and I ended up going. But obviously, I think it's pretty obvious. Juve first. I know this is an Inter podcast, but it's hard <laughs> not to put them there. I still have Inter second, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on with you guys. After that, you know, it gets really dicey. Uh, Napoli still has, you know, almost the entire team that finished with 91 points. I think Milik's going to have a big season. So talent-wise, to me, they're on Inter's level, maybe a little bit better. Uh, but I have some concerns, you know, with Sarri gone. But I still have him third. Uh, I still have Roma fourth, and I had him before uh, yesterday's match. And then I have Lazio and Milan in that order. But I think, you know... It's really close on a lot of those teams. As far as the top goal scorer, I think Ronaldo's the easy answer. Uh, I think Higuaindo's going to have really a monster season on Milan. Um, Icardi, I think, still a great shout, but there is a lot more talent up front at Inter. There could be more goals spread around. So I'm going to go with Higuain just because I don't see Milan having a lot of other options with Immobile and Lazio still being a dark horse. 
at David Amoyal on Twitter. He is the English manager of Gianluca Di Marzio's uh, Gianluca He has his own a brilliant podcast, Calcioland Pod. He's a columnist on ESPN and The Athletic. And you can hear him on TalkSport in the UK and Sirius XM in the US and Canada. Thank you very much for coming on, David. Great to be on, guys. Thanks so much for having Cheers, me. Cheers, David. Keep up the great work. Thanks for coming on. episodes, okay, guys? Thanks. Take care. Take care. Right, um, that was David Amoyal. And speaking on the on the whole Mercato rating thing, I thought because there's quite a few of us today, it's uh, it's episode 100. Um, I wanted us to briefly just uh, you know keep it short, but just go around giving um, the Mercato uh, a rating of one to ten and a short uh, short a brief uh, explanation as to why. I'll start with Richard. Um, yeah, really quickly on that, I'd say I would give it. As David did a nine, I'd say. Um, I just, I just think that Inter. It's, it's hard not to argue with anything David said there because he did address those key positions. I think they brought in the experience in some some positions as well. And I also like the fact that we have got that for me. And this is the main point for me. I like the fact we've got uh, Latoura Martinez, who is a bit of an unknown in the sense of uh, coming from Racing Club, and that just for me is a bit of a throwback in the sense that we've got some you know, young South American talent, which. Uh, looks like um you know he'll be good so for me i think as david said they addressed the right things and um and did it in a a good manner so you know i mean we'll talk about it later but there's reason still to be excited this season and so that's why i'd give it a nine will uh yeah pretty much the same um i think the the nine is is obligatory because of the parameters that the club are working in i mean I, i think you have to distinguish between the 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 the, op, the operations and the way they worked in the transfer window, and the the kind of the value of the team itself. So, for instance, I wouldn't give the team itself nine out of ten because that would suggest that it was it was pretty much ready to to win the scudetto. And I think we saw last night that it most certainly isn't. But if you're looking at how Auxilio and his uh, and his trusty team of, of advisors and whatnot have worked this summer, I don't think you can really you can really go much beyond that. Um, one thing that I would point out. Uh, is that we've made seven signings and six of them have at least three seasons worth of experience in Serie A, which is not a coincidence. Right. Um, Mo? Yeah, if you'd asked me uh, before yesterday's game, I probably would have said a nine as well. But, um, you know, after seeing, and we'll get into the game later, but um, the need for Rafinha or Modric or Mr. X down there, maybe it's Nangolan. So for me, I'm not going to... It's, it's it's difficult for me to give a nine until I see Nangolan play, someone play in that regista trequartista role because that was exactly what was lacking yesterday and that's what we needed from Modric or Rafinha. So, of course, Auxilio had a fantastic uh, transfer season, performed very well, amazing purchases at uh, great bargains, uh, Financial fair play kicked in the ass, etc. But the 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 result or the conclusion can only be seen on the pitch. And until we see a full squad and how Spalletti is going to make sure that that particular role is fulfilled properly with his current squad, I think uh, maybe an eight. Um, anyone who's been watching, listening to this show for quite some time knows that every transfer window, I have my own system of grading the Mercato. I 
give one rating for the players in, I give one rating for the players out, and then I divide it and give an overall players in. I give Inter a 10, because Inter needed, did everything they needed to do without actually breaking the bank. And in terms of players out, they got rid of everything they needed to in the most in, the, in a good way. The, the young players who left have all have buyback clauses, etc., uh, etc. Et the only player they didn't, they weren't able to offload yet, I might add, is Joao Mario, uh, because the Spanish transfer window closes on, uh, closes on the 31st of uh, August. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. But for uh, in 10, uh, out 8, divide that by 2, it's a 9. Right, um, let's uh, move on to uh, something we've already been touching uh, upon, uh, and that is um, the, uh, the match against uh, Sassuolo yesterday. Um, and, well, it wasn't, um, it wasn't exactly... I mean, the, I mean, before we get into it, I, I have to get this uh, off my chest because I've been really annoyed with this. Yes, Inter weren't good. All the refereeing situations, we're going to talk about that. But how the hell was there? How the hell was it was it allowed for, for football to be played on that potato field? Yeah. That that looked like a actual donkey had been dragging a plow through it for most of the summer. What the hell was that? I mean, you saw when you see players like Asamoa, when you see players who are you know who are calm with the ball, where the ball is bouncing all over the place. You saw Keita Balde, you saw Asamoa, you saw. Brozovic, you saw so many players, simple passes, the ball was bouncing, wobbling back and forth. That's just, you know, there's talk of the Serie A being back. But when I see a, a, a football pitch in that condition at the end, mid of, middle of August for the start of the season, I get really, really angry. Um, and it pisses me off. And it's, it says to me that the Serie A, no matter who you buy, if you can't sort that out, this is still a B, you know, it's still... B, like, you know, it's still a B league in comparison with the Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, etc. Yeah, and, and remember that um, Sassuolo are one of the only five clubs in the league who actually own their stadium. Um, exactly. So it's, it's even more peculiar. Um, right, well, going, getting into the match, um, if we talk about, I mean, the first half was, I mean, the first 30 minutes were an absolute disaster. Uh, I think Inter looked nervous. Inter looked uh, like completely like like they, in my opinion, Inter looked nervous, but they also looked like a team that was halfway through their preseason, um, and they looked unprepared, uh, which is why I I didn't, although you know we we you know we'd created this hype in our own heads, I can't be too disappointed because the season has started much sooner, uh, or, or so it feels at least. It seems that this you know this season. Has, has had to be, you know, started, you know, there's like a hangover after the World Cup and therefore a lot of players aren't at their peak like they were last season when the season started. Um, am I being too kind or uh, am I being too harsh? What do you think, Richard? Um, no, I think I think you're right. I think that, you know, the, that first half especially was really sluggish. And, but, but I'm not too downbeat over it all, in fairness. I think that it's for a couple of reasons, really. And it's not completely all down to, to Inter. You know, does everybody set up that game for in one way? Um, he, I think credit Sassuolo, the way they executed their game plan, I thought it was very impressive. You know, they, they didn't want to they didn't want to come out and play. Um, you know, they wanted to just sit sit back at first and, uh, and and obviously let us come out. They wanted to be us to be expansive and they wanted to counter us. And once they got that the penalty, then after that it suited them even more in the way that they played. Look, 
as well, we've been talking about this transfer the window, and yeah, everyone has been talking about the fact that Inter are potential potential uh, Scudetto contenders this year. That will affect the players. It will give them whether it's whether it's a little bit of complacency as well as uh, tiredness. Who knows in that in that early early period there? But you know, we did see it with other teams. Juventus were poor against Kievo. Roma really taken back by to Torino. You know, no one really, really came out of the blocks flying. And, and maybe that is exactly like you say, because of the World Cup and the bigger teams and more players there, etc. The fact is those teams were more ruthless than we were and we didn't get out of, of, of the traps. Partly, you know, I think the pitch would have suited Sassuolo because they didn't want the ball. So it's hard for us to play the game we wanted to play. Um, and yeah, we, it, you know, like you said earlier on as well, not all the players were there. Now it's no excuse. It's, it's no excuses to say that Inter still shouldn't have got something out of that game. They should, but I think that there's a lot more. I'm going to be a lot more disappointed if, for instance, um, you know, in front of a full full house, if it is against Torino, with maybe a few more players back, we don't put in a better performance. Um, but that opening game, I think, I don't. I think you may have sent this on um, Twitter, Nima, but it, it's almost like that. It, it's a kick up the backside that may have just to come at the right time. Um, you know, maybe it shows these players that, you know, you, you're not just going to turn up at teams like Sassuolo or Chievo or Frosinone and win. That you are going to, even though we've got a good squad, you're going to have to be 100% all of the time. And they weren't. But, you know, I still think we're in a really strong position. So I'm, I'm still fairly positive. Um, well, speaking of positivity, Mo, Mo, you are Mr. Positivity on Studio Inter. Um, can you shed some... Some positivity on, on on some positive light on this performance, or was it so poor that you 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 you've given up as well? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, look, I was uh, I was uh, much uh, much more distraught than uh, than normally I would be with the performance yesterday because it was very reminiscent of the dark months of last season, the January February. Uh, just uh, the whole uh, the same game plan trying to attack from the wings Icardi getting frustrated not getting the ball blah 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 so in in, in that sense I, I, I was quite um, upset uh, I, I don't know why we've why we've been hyped up so much and why there's been an entire preseason etc for us to play in the same manner with different players again, even though Spalletti had a plethora of new, different, varied guys to try different things with, with whom he had been trying different different game plans with all summer long. But yeah. on the flip side of that, I think uh, we've been here before, Spalletti's been here before, the guys have been here before, and this is just the first match with, as 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 you and David and uh, I think uh, Will alluded to earlier, uh, with a multitude of absentees that who you would imagine being, uh, you know, consistent uh, starters. So while I'm very disappointed in the performance yesterday, I really didn't imagine that. Squeenzy, that asshole, would uh, <laughs> get another fucking headline on his uh, wall. Uh, oh. 
for everyone who doesn't know, Sassuolo's owner, Giorgio Squincy, is a lifelong self-processed, self-processed, uh, self-confessed Milan fan. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, uh, which is why uh, Mo is, is a bit annoyed because seven, seven out of eleven wins now. No, uh, no, for no it's seven out of the last eight. Yeah, seven out of the last eight. It was six, yeah. six yeah. of seven. Now it's seven of eight. So, yeah. on, on the one hand, like, and it's ironic that the best performances against uh, Sassuolo were. Uh, in the darkest of days for Inter. Mazzarri. <laughs> yeah. um, 14-0. Yeah. I mean, it's not even it's not even a win. We're talking 14-0. Yeah. 7-0 away. 7-0 away with Tider of all people scoring. And Milito coming off, hobbling on one knee, scoring twice. <laughs> and 7-0 at home when we had... Well, actually, that was a team I pretty much like because I like I like the Osvaldo and Icardi and Kovacic. I, I, I'm sorry, the rest of the team were pretty crap, but um, I, I really like that. I really like Osvaldo. He's always but, been a yeah, personal not, guilty not, not pleasure to, of mine. Not to veer off uh, too much the of the not to veer too much off the thing. Like uh, I, I I think that while me personally I had very high expectations of when you look at the match. In, in, in absolutely um, objective terms, it's the first game of the season. It's fine. Let it go. What's more important is the Torino game at home. But it still annoyed me. It really, like, I can't be... There's nothing for me to be optimistic about or, 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 um, or to look back on fondly in that game. Like, they're, 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 I hear you. That, that went well, you know? The only thing that 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 we can console ourselves by is that it's the first game. There are so many people missing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you take that those ninety minutes in isolation, no good. Will, what are your uh, give me your two cents before we move on? Well, I think this is a timely reminder that. Um, despite what everybody has been telling us over the last two months, uh, this team's aim this season is not the challenge for the Scudetto. This team's objective, the only sort of obligation that this team has this season is to stay in the top four. That is the bottom line. You're here. You're um, here. Yeah, so, agreed, you know, stay agreed. in the top four and don't mm-hmm. humiliate yourselves in the Champions League. In, you know, don't get home at 7-0 or whatever and go out a finishing bottom of your group. The you know don't fall into this trap that we've we've been cast as this the anti-Juve, this bloody anti-Juve thing that's been going on for the last two months. Yeah. Every summer, who is the anti-Juve? Oh, it's oh, it's them, it's them, it's them. And six months later, oh, it was no one because Juventus are too good. They were too <laughs> good last year. They're too good this year. It happens every year. They have to find a way to sell the league because they're the ones that are trying to exactly. that, that, want, that need to generate excitement around you know what they're writing about, what they're broadcasting, and it just it's the same old cycle every year. So just it don't don't get sucked into that kind of. You know, we can challenge Juventus. If, if Modric had come, then we'd be having a different conversation, but he didn't. So let's just focus on finishing fourth. And it's not it's not guaranteed. I think we should do it. But, you know, Napoli beat Lazio on Saturday. Roma beat Torino away from home. You know, these they're, they're not going to just fall away. You know, Milan have come up. Lazio could be in there as well. So it's it's we need to keep our feet on the floor. And if that, if that match kind of sort of helps us to to get that message uh, spread around the players and you know the club and the fans then 
and maybe it, be, it will be helpful. But yeah, I mean, just why do just once? Can we just like once against this bloody team? Just what what is wrong with the, what happens when we go to that stadium? I don't understand it. Seven defeats out of eight. That would be a bad record if we were playing Barcelona in the league. Like that, that you know, <laughs> that's it's just it's it's mind boggling. Um, it's 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 the definition of a bogey team. Yeah. I mean, it's it's ridiculous because. Well, I mean, before we before well, there we are, move on, the, I, 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 yeah, yeah there sorry, are the, there are a couple of things. I think you you pretty much covered everything. I would say that um, Azamar was the best player, just to, uh, the 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 most convincing player. Um, Lautaro was a disappointment given what we'd seen in preseason. I'm just kind of rounding up all my thoughts. Um, the midfield is a problem. Brozovic and Vecino both come back late from the World Cup, and it showed there was no filter in the middle. Uh, I would play Azamar in midfield against Torino for that reason because they're not ready. Um, and also, maybe we should have a quick discussion about those uh, those refereeing decisions, even though they were not the decisive factor in that I, match. I was I was just gonna suggest that, but before um, before um, we uh, we do that, I wanted to just briefly um, reveal who the Sempre Inter uh, readers thought was the man of the match. Um, it was uh, quite unsurprisingly, uh, I'd say, uh, uh, it was um, the. Uh, Former Juventino, the uh, the Ghanaian uh, fullback uh, midfielder, whatever the hell he is, uh, Asamoa. Yeah. Tutto campista. Yeah, tutto campista. Or the jolly. Forty nine percent of the vote, Asamoa. And then, actually, uh, the second place, it was Samir Handanovic, much to Mohamed Nasser. Uh, really? <laughs> jumping, jumping, <laughs> jumping <laughs> for joy and, and happiness and joy. It was actually Samir Handanovic. And in third place, it was Matteo Poirier. That's who I would have put second. Um, so that's, mm, yeah, I'd go with that. Um, I would uh, I would personally, uh, for me, it was Asamo. I was no-brainer. I would have gone with Defray. I thought he was brilliant. Right, but um, before we move on, um, I just wanted to talk about those refereeing decisions because I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Um, oh yes. But there is a uh, yeah. Uh, but I'm uh, I don't know. I don't think a lot. No, of it hasn't hasn't been spoken this, about but much, but it, it's going to completely no, change this a, season compared. To exactly. Uh, the thing is that there is uh, there is you know last season uh, the the VAR helped remove a lot of stuff um, and and it made the league feel more fair. So that's that's why, of course, the good people at the Lega Calcio decide that we can't have a fair league. We have to change everything and turn it on up, up on its head. The VAR now is uh, for the VAR to be used in the Serie A. It is up to the discretion of the referee, unless it is a macroscopic error, meaning that it's a game-changing er error. Then the referee will be alerted and told to have another look. But aside from that. Well, uh, as we saw yesterday, it is up to the discretion of the referee whether or not to use the VAR or not. I have no words for this country and this league. This is the most idiotic thing I have ever heard because that's exactly what happened yesterday. They have, to me, it's like they have actually created the inter inter rule. We can't have Inter doing too well, so we have to change something so they so they have something to, so that Inter used to have something to moan about. Because this is ridiculous. There was nothing wrong with VAR last season, other than that it maybe took a little bit too too long time. But other than that, the way they used it was was really good. Uh, so so instead they've taken it away from from the people with the cameras and the and the replays and the reruns, and they've turned it over to a guy, and he gets to decide whether or not to use the VAR, unless it's a huge game-changing error. 
I mean, what this is so stupid. I have no words for it. Well, I think what, there is one thing that I would I would want to say. The, um, as far as I understand, this is not the Lega Calcio who decided to do this. This is IFAB who've made a who've made a, a change that's come out of the World Cup. Um, the reference I was reading a blog this this um, this morning from Luca Marelli, who's very good at, at sort of dissecting all the the key referee incidents every weekend on his blog, and he was keen to stress that. Um, the referees in Serie A didn't want this, but it's been imposed on them by the, the international... I don't know what it stands for now. Anyway, IFAB. Um, oh. So this isn't this isn't like Tavecchio and his Lotito and his cronies screwing up the world of Serie A anymore. This is something that's been imposed on them um, because I don't think... Other, that, because it, it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. The, the, the phrase that's, that was used at the World Cup is clear and obvious error, uh, whereas last year in Serie A, I always think it was just clear error. So it's because, it's of the... Mm. the, the, the yeah, as you said, the the thing that that is so frustrating is that the VAR last the 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 video assistant referee last night was not wrong to leave that uh, Asamoah instant because under the new rules he can't intervene. You know, the referee no, has to see yeah, that. The, so yeah, the referee well, has to see that, and and it's so and it's so stupid and and the, therefore, the, I mean, I, I didn't know that. I was pre, I, I read that uh, what where I read it, it said that it was the it was the Lega Cup. Uh, I don't but, think that's the case obviously. from what I read. I think it's a it's a it's a worldwide no. thing. No, it probably is, and that, that's just stupid because I think every league should decide. This is something that every league should decide for themselves because last year it worked really well. The silent check worked really well, um, and it should have been used. Uh, it shouldn't have been allowed to be used, and, 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 and then we would not have this discussion because this is Italy, and this with the history this country has and the history this league has, this is going to cause all sorts of controversy again. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it needs to be changed. I think every country should be, every FA and every country should be allowed to decide on their own. Um, right, so, but, but in terms of that, yeah. Um, therefore, the whole cons consistency debate kind of flies out the window regarding the VAR because they weren't allowed to do the silent check unless it was a clear, uh, as it was a game-changing error, which, it, you know, you can't say it was. It wasn't like somebody punched someone and someone didn't see it. Uh, and the referee didn't see it. So, um, so we're back to square one then. <laughs> uh, what, what do you say, Mo? What's your thoughts? Silencio stampa. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It took me a bit uh, to. Oh, it's silent uh, in protest. No, we, we can yeah. hear it now. <laughs> yeah. No. Look, uh, I think uh, I, I think when we watched the Juve game. Uh, VAR worked very, very well against Juventus. So I, I, I'm loath to uh, I'm loath to um, condemn the new way that VAR is being used just because of that penalty incident yesterday. I will uh, I will hold my uh, judgment until uh, Christmas comes. You know, half a season we see how it works. But what what is for sure is that. Yesterday, that was not a penalty, for sure. And against uh, the the Kiev, the Kiev Sassuolo's penalty, you mean? Yeah, Sassuolo's yeah, penalty. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was not a penalty. It was very soft. Yeah, it, beyond soft. And uh, and the Juventus Kiev game, we saw that goal disallowed. That you know. Of course, we know that Sonatino now is, uh, you know, concussed and broken nose, etc. Uh, but that goal would have been would have been given to Juventus any any given day, and it was disallowed because of VAR. So 
two days, two different incidents, you know. Um, I just think I, that I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, you know, like I, I don't, I don't knee jerk my uh, judgment on any changes at this point in time. I think VAR, with uh, what Will has, uh, you know, clarified in terms of like a difference in, uh, you know, how, how the criteria for. Uh, Triggering, triggering VAR in uh, last year's uh, Serie A versus the World Cup. I think even with that, I think VAR worked quite well in the World Cup. So if it works as well in the World Cup as if it works in the Serie A as well as it has worked in the World Cup, I think I'm okay with that. So, But that doesn't make any sense because in the World Cup, every single penalty situation, every single offside was automatically checked by VAR. This is this is a change from the World Cup because now it's up to the discretion of the referee whether or not he feels he should call it or not. So I mean, it's 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 it's, it's just I mean, I, on 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 something.com there are two comments under this article which I think is so brilliant. One guy has written that is just so wrong on so many levels, <laughs> and the second guy has written so backwards. While it may sound overdone, VAR is useless when referees have a lot of discretion as to when to review and not to review. And I agree 100% with that. Yeah, I think I think from the basis of... I can understand if they're wanting to have some consistency, as, as Will mentioned before, whether that's throughout the all of Europe, so that when we get into eventually having it, you know, it's in all European competitions, all international tournaments, there's um, a, a, a clarity that everyone has the same, same rules. And I, I do think that's probably where they're trying to get to, and it makes a lot of sense. But what I do really agree with you, Nima, on those points is that, you know, we did see it work well. Um, last year in Italy and when you talked about the history of Italy Italian football and, and the, it's synonymous with the referee it, it, it did seem to be getting somewhere so there comes the frustration and I think finally on that point is that you've all made a really good point that if it does just completely depend on the referee then you're almost in my eyes going backwards uh, you are going backwards you're always going back to a point where you know the reason VAR came in in the first place was to stop mistakes by referees in some respects take some pressure off referees but what you're doing here is moving back away from the technology and putting more uh, it, it's getting in Italy that will have a negative effect so it's a frustration I, I think this is I think it's absolutely it's it's so stupid to to have this uh, when we had when we had kind of cleared this situation when the, when the, when these discussions were kind of dying and on the re regressing and we, we kind of go back to this again I it's just it's just mind-boggling for me, but let's not stick. But at least we answered the question that a lot of people have about why the why the VAR was not used. It was it wasn't allowed to be used, and the referee yeah. decided not to use yeah, it. It was a refereeing error, right. not a VAR error. Yeah, exactly. It was a referee error, not a VAR error. Um, so right, let's move on because uh, on uh, uh, as uh, Danilo D'Ambrosio, aka hashtag not my con. So good, so eloquently and astutely said after the game yesterday. Now, in, now we have to win the next two games, and the first of those two, the next two games is at home against Torino, against the Torino, which which is which was a very tricky side last year, even when we played them under Mihailovic, and who I think could you know could could cause us all sorts of problems this uh, Sunday night as well. Uh, kick off at 8.30 uh, CET. Um, going into this game, uh, what, I mean, Sassuolo 
that was supposed to be the easy game. Now we're going into the difficult game. How, I mean, Mohammed, you, Mo, you said that you weren't too worried as it was the first game. Um, how, I mean, are you, are you still not worried now that you know that we're playing Torino? Because I'm very worried. I, I'm not worried. Uh, I'm not worried that it's Torino. I, I'm worried about uh, the shape of the, the, the team. And I think the, the, the Sassuolo game is enough to kick everyone in the nuts and make them like sit up and like, you know, pay attention and get their, get their shit in order. There's absolutely no doubt that we should have beaten Sassuolo with... Um, right. Uh, Richard, uh, what, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you say going into this? I think here is, with Torino, it's going to be a tough game. We saw what they did to Roma. I thought they really, really played well. Um, I thought they contained them for large periods of the game. And I think he obviously took that incredible strike from Dzeko to... To, to break it down. And like you say, they, they are notoriously tough opponents in recent years. Uh, for me, I'd like to just see us play with a bit more fluidity, a bit more energy. Um, and at that first initial period, you know, you want them to think that the team can put this behind them, that it was a blip, and that they can go into that game uh, with a high tempo. Um, as You know, we, we saw them play extremely well in pre-season. I know it's only pre-season. Um, but if we can, I don't, you know, whether in the England... Well, I don't think he'll be back, will he, um, for this one? But it's, uh, it's it's touch and go, isn't it? So it's uh, yeah, it's a bit touch and go. So you know, realistically, you just want to see them, as I said before, just come out of the blocks firing. Really, uh, it, look for me, the the results the most important thing. It is because we obviously we need to get back on track, but it would be nice to see them do it with some conviction that they've learned from this, uh, put it behind them, and start the season again from Sunday. <laughs> Right. Uh, whoa. Uh, right. Um, uh, Will, uh, what are you? Um, what, where's your, what are you expecting to see? Well, I don't know what I'm expecting to see. I'm certainly hoping to see a, a performance that has nothing to do with the one we saw on Sunday, because it, that will not be good enough to win. Um, <laughs> there are there, there are a couple of reasons to be confident that there will be an improvement. I think firstly, the fact that we're at home is important. There'll be a huge crowd. Um, I think Inter last year tended to play with more courage at home than they did away from home as a rule of thumb. Um, so I think that that might help them stay higher up the pitch. Um, I think there's a lot of questions that, that there's, a, there's a lot of question marks over, over the team, though, because, you know, if, if Skriniar recovers, uh, then that's one thing. I think we, we, didn't, we didn't talk about that, but I think he's, that's the first game he has missed since he signed for Inter. And I don't want to see many more games without him on that evidence because Miranda is not ready. He came back very late uh, and I don't think he's necessarily re necessarily ready to play um, these kind of matches yet. Uh, if Nain Golan is, is ready, then that is, that's great. But he's been out for a month. You know, you'd expect that he's probably going to come on, come off the bench at most. So that's, you know, that's another problem. Uh, we need to see if these, uh, these late world cup um, world cuppers have, uh, used this week to regain a bit of form. We need to see if maybe Vasalico is going to be fit. So it, there's a lot of question marks. Um, it, it's a difficult game. And the problem that, that you have when you lose the first game is that you've got zero points in the table and that just piles the pressure on you until you get that first win. It just, it just, it, it, it can snowball quickly. You know, and you, you, as you said, this is a tough game. Torino have looked very good in pre-season. They look pretty good on, on Sunday as well. I think they're a bit unfortunate to lose. They hit the bar on a couple of occasions. They were beaten by a really good goal from, from Dzeko at the end. Um, 
you know, they're, they're, they're going to sit deep. They're not going to give us much space. Um, and they're going to wait for us to, to, to expose ourselves on in midfield and, and try and, and try and hurt us that way. So I, this is, you know, this is potentially a problem, but this is a game we need to win. Cause if we don't, if we have one point after two games, then this is already a problem, this league table, because the others won't wait. Um, you know, especially given that, uh, you know, the, the others seem to, there's going to be a really big fight for the Champions League this year. So I, I am a little bit concerned because, you know, you couldn't really see a performance of that bad coming um, on uh, on Sunday, even though there were, you know, a few people out and, and uh, people who weren't quite 100% fit. Um, so that I'm not really sure what to expect. I just, I just hope that the team is kind of given a wake-up call and they play with a bit more anger than they had yesterday. That was one of the, that, it, it sort of looked like they, let the game pass them by at, at times and they didn't seem that really they didn't seem sort of offended by the fact they were losing that was quite that was quite concerning so hopefully that will change um one thing okay well give me a, uh, sorry sorry give me give me a prediction okay because uh, we need to write yeah on. okay well i'm not particularly confident but i will say that we'll win one nil and that um uh, that politano will score i would be one thing i would say that i would be slightly more confident for this game if uh, Mr. Mazzari is not present on the touchline, and he might not be, because I remember he was sent off yesterday. I'm not sure what, quite what the the rule is. I don't know if he's going to get a ban or if it's just going to if he's going to be allowed to return. I'm not sure what what exactly the the regulation is there. <laughs> just not seeing him on the touchline will make me less nervous because this these these ex managers they hurt us. So so uh, what, what was the prediction again? I didn't, I didn't one nil. One nil. And who will score? Politano. Um, Mo, well, who, prediction and scorer? Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm less, le- I'm le- like uh, less bleak than Will. I think uh, I think we're gonna shake the cobwebs out. We're gonna, you know, have warmed up and get gotten angry, like Will said. You know, you need to be angrier and uh, tougher. I think we're gonna win three 0 comprehensive win. Icardi getting at least one, and I think. Maybe Politano, uh, like Will said, and then hopefully, hopefully a goal from uh, somewhere in the midfield, like uh, maybe a Brozovic or uh, an Angolan if he makes it on onto the field. So uh, what, what I'm looking for is uh, a clean sheet, multiple goals scored by different players in different positions. Uh, that's 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 what I'm looking for and hoping for. Call off the alarm, listeners. Mr. Optimism is back. We found him. <laughs> he went missing during the first half of the episode. <laughs> right, Richard, well, uh, goal scorers, uh, predictions? Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. Um, and I'm actually going to go for a brace from Latoura Martinez. I think it's going to be 1-1. I, don't, I think this is going to be the most difficult start to the season that Inter have had in quite a well, long time. Well, since two years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but th- that definitely feels like a long time ago. Uh, so, um, no, I'm going to say 1-1. Uh, Belotti and Di Cardi. Um, I think it's going to be 1-0 for them, and then you're going to score 1-1. R- so, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really not uh, optimistic uh, going into this game at all. Right. Um, uh, let's, uh, before we go, uh, before we move on, uh, I just wanted to uh, briefly uh, touch on... Um, uh, the uh, I, I want I want you guys to go from just just the top top six from six to one and who you think will be the capo cannoniere. Uh, start with you, Will. 
six, five, four, three, two, one. Who oh, this is, I mean, six to two, you could pretty much just throw the names up in the air and, and see where they land. It's, I'm finding it very difficult, but I will, I will not, I will not back out of this. I will say six, Lazio, uh, five, Milan, four, Napoli, three, Inter, two, Roma, one, Juventus. But as I said, you know, I'll probably change my mind each week. Um, who's, <laughs> who's the Capricano Nieri? Uh, I think it will be, I think it'll be Ronaldo. Um, I, I, I think he, David made a good shot with Higuain because he'll have a team there that plays for him a bit more than Juventus did. So I wouldn't be surprised if he were maybe second. But I, I think it's difficult to look past the alien. Richard? Oh, uh, yeah, it is tough, isn't it? Uh, Lazio, six again. I like that shout. I think uh, then followed by by Milan. Uh, I'm actually going to go Roma after that. Inter in third, second Napoli and Juventus top. And like Will says, it's pretty hard to go against Ronaldo. I, was, I really always, I always fancy a Cardi for it. I always do. And he's got more support this year. So, you know what? Just to be different, I'll put a Cardi in. Uh, but yeah, it could be any, it could easily be Ronaldo, couldn't it? Mo, uh, from six to one, uh, quickly, and the Capononieri, who do you think uh, will win the Serie A? Six to one, and then who will be the top goal scorer? Go. I think, uh, uh, like David said, uh, first place uh, for Juve, second place for Inter. The other four places are very difficult to judge. I think Napoli have shown that um, the wisdom of Ancelotti uh, makes sure that uh, the transition is going to be smooth as uh, hell. So they could even have a shout-out for a second place. After them, in fourth, I see Milan, uh, fifth, Roma, and sixth, uh, Lazio. I think Capucaneri is uh, probably, uh, is probably uh, Icardi again. You know, it's difficult to bet against him. Um, sixth, uh, Lazio, fifth, Milan, fourth, Roma, third, Inter, second, Napoli, first, Juve. Um, and I don't think it will be Icardi or uh, Ronaldo, because I don't think Ronaldo will play uh, the Serie A as much. He's wanting to play the Champions League. Um, I think that's where his focus will lie. Um, I think Icardi, Icardi usually struggles when he's won the... When, he's, when he has a really good season, uh, the season before, but I still think he will get 20-odd goals. Um, for me, it's, uh, it's uh, between um, uh, Ciro Immobile. Uh, uh, no, I, I think it's Ciro Immobile. I think this is his year. Right. Uh, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the Frog of the Week, uh, which will be presented by Mr. Will Beckman. Right. right. I'll try and keep it brief because we've overrun a bit. Um, the first frog of the week, I felt, had to be Florentino Perez for his <laughs> very, very hypocritical and senseless uh, move of reporting into to FIFA for their, in inverted commas, pursuit of uh, Luka Modric. I think the only reason he did this was because Real Madrid have had a horrid summer and he needed to get the fans off his back and make it look as if he was trying to stand up for the club. Because there is no other realistic, there's no other convincing reason, there's no other explanation. You know, it was Modric who, who, who pursued Inter, not the other way around, by his agent. So if you're going to report anyone, you've got to report your own player. Uh, you know, he's, he, and also, you know, it's, it's, it's what everyone does. 
you know, nobody will spend three months negotiating for a play if they don't know first that they want to come. So it's it's stupid from that point of view. And it's also stupid because Real Madrid have no pulpit to preach from on this. They have no, they, they cannot talk. They cannot shout lessons on, on etiquette when it comes to the transfer window. Modric himself went to Real Madrid in 2012 because he put his foot down and uh, and tried to get out of Spurs. So, you know. And I mean, you don't need to go back. You don't even need to go back that far. You just need to go back to, you go and you have like a two months when Real Madrid snatched the Spanish national team's manager out from under their president's <laughs> nose without telling him despite the fact he'd only renewed his contract a couple of weeks ago. So it, it's, it's, he's just, he's just, it has to be Florentino Perez. He's not had a good summer and now he's got the, he's going to have to suffer if, the ignominy of being the first frog of the season. If hypocrisy were plutonium, Real Madrid and Barcelona could power the entire galaxy. These two clubs have snatched players, done the exact same thing, been, 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 been cautioned for it, not being allowed to buy players, and then they have the order. I mean, they did it against Inter for Ronaldo, which they didn't pay for. They did it to Inter, the very same thing they are accusing Inter of. I mean, these, these two... These two there's, Mourinho, there's Mourinho as well, I forgot. <laughs> oh, Mourinho, Ronaldo, I mean, it's Modric himself, Gareth Bale, Ronaldo, Cristiano... It's just don't even go there. I mean, don't don't these these two clubs they they they're just other level when it comes to being hypocrites. Uh, right, uh, let's move on to something slightly more positive. This week's uh, Morati, which will be presented by Mr. Mohamed Nasser. Oh my God! Oh, she's beautiful. She is beautiful. Yeah. My Morati of the week is the fact that yesterday was week one. It's uh... <laughs> wow! I was expecting something more positive than, than losing to Sassuolo. Fucking positivity from here this week. I, I, I'm glad that this uh, this uh, shit happened yes yesterday on the first day of uh, on the first match day or the second match day of the first week, and uh, I think it's uh, a good, uh, like I said earlier, a good kick in the nuts. Everyone should wake the fuck up and realize that all that the papers have written means nothing except exactly. You know, it means nothing without uh, actual delivery on the on the pitch. And mm-hmm. we have the squad, we have the manager, we have the we absolutely have the the tifosi to become the best team in Italy. Uh, but it's not going to happen unless the results on the pitch happen and the performances over 90 minutes we can we can't happen and what we saw yesterday was uh you know it it's excusable but it's unacceptable you know you you, you can you can excuse it for for a whole bunch of reasons but it's not acceptable but the best thing about it was it's week number one and it's not january or december last week of december or whatever, you know, it's it's the biggest wake-up call from the beginning of the season. Everyone, everyone remember, we are Inter, and we fuck up. So, man the fuck up, you know? Sorry, was that man the Moggi or the Moratti of the week? <laughs> <laughs> that felt very depressing to start the season. No, I, I, can I just, I would like to say one, there's one phrase that sums that up, which is that, I heard it, I think it was Daniele Adani who said it last year, when Milan was struggling after their great, in, in uh, inverted commas, Mercato. Um, hard work can replace the Mercato, but the Mercato cannot replace hard work. Absolutely. Ah, absolutely. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well said. Right, um, and then uh, to the negative part of things, uh, this week's Moji, which will be presented by Mr. Richard Hall. Okay, guys, uh, this <laughs> this won't take long because it's fairly obvious, I think. Um, listen, I've been, you know, going out and standing on different curves since, I don't know, was it 2005, 2006? And the culture that surrounded the ultras with, in many different ways, in my eyes, has got a hell of a lot better than it used to be. Um, you know, there's, when the news is, last season, a lot of the news was basically on the choreography more than anything else. And, you know, what, what's been even more of a pleasure to, to see um, from the, the change since, I, if I just use Inter as an example, since 2006, the change of the nature of people who are on the curve now. Know, families, young boys, women, inter especially with all different people from around the world being welcomed and the changing environment and still being able to have those choreographies. And that's why this week's Mudgy is just the, the last year of ultras because that statement, uh, the, 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 the pamphlet that's saying that women aren't allowed in the first 10 rows of the curva is backwards. It's, it's just annoying. It's disgusting. It's, and it, it, we're past that. We're so far past that. Um, there's always going to be some, there's always going to be certain groups. I, I'm not tarnishing the entire uh, Lazio um, curva or ultras with that. It is a small section, but it's just, it's very backward. And for me, you know, I, who, I think Italy needs to embrace that culture. I've said this before because it doesn't want to leave itself with a, a soulless atmosphere in the stadiums as we often see in the Premier League sometimes. But in, in for that, to grow and to be respected and to be treated as what it should be um, isn't helped when groups make statements like this. So that's why they're my mudge of the week. Good one. Um, I agree 100%. That doesn't belong in a civilized society in the year 2018. Um, well, before we go, um, I just have a few announcements. Uh, we uh, have, we, we're, we're, we're on the verge of launching uh, Sempre Inter TV, our own YouTube channel. Uh, in cooperation with uh, a uh, YouTube channel called Inter Milan Destroying Club since 1908. We'll be recording and producing twice a week uh, YouTube episodes for you guys. Uh, this podcast will also be available on YouTube starting this week. Um, and uh, we'll, we're, we're also going to do some... Uh, we've got some, all, uh, in, got, got some other um, exciting news uh, in the pipeline as well. But uh, I'd like to thank uh, Richard for coming on and check out <laughs> check, check out check out uh, i think he's yeah, he left i think he's got he left he's fed up okay. oh no no sorry i was yeah. on mute i said i just i wonder what happened i said cheers guys always a pleasure and then will started laughing i thought what have i said and then i realized i was on mute my apologies <laughs> always no on the worries, board no eh? uh, yeah <laughs> The Gentleman Ultra, uh, and his excellent sight on that. Uh, somebody's uh, whore, someone's boat is apparently uh, making noises in the background. Uh, I, I, I have many different is. means of transport. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'd also like to thank Mohammed Nasser, our own preview writer, and who also started an Arabic-speaking football podcast. Check it out. Yeah, yeah, check out Wara Mustail Kadesi. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to even pretend uh, to explain to you guys how it's felt because it's in Arabic. But uh, thank you very much for having me as always. 
And also, I'd like to clarify what the hell you mean by this being on YouTube. I got my camera off and I'm seeing my fucking box. So, uh... <laughs> no, no, the podcast is going to be available on YouTube. I haven't, I haven't, I'm not, I've not gone Obama on you and had the NSA sneak like cameras into you. No, no, no. It's just, it's just, it's just going to be available on YouTube as well as part of our channel. <laughs> so don't worry, Mo. Don't worry. No one's going to come home. No one's going to. No one's filming you. At least I'm we can all so see okay. into your bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Last last year it was uh, get get Mohammed to Guantanamo. <laughs> This year is <laughs> exactly um, <laughs> hashtag mo to get mo yeah. right um, <laughs> right uh, I'd also like to thank you Will for joining me today grazie mille see you next week and uh, if anyone saw Nima on uh, Egyptian television last week let us know how he was because uh, uh, we're very <laughs> interested to hear how how he got on <laughs> um, I'll I'll be sharing that uh, as always. Um, thank you. Uh, as always, uh, my name is Nima Tavalui Ruzzari, wishing you all a good week and sempre e solo forza Inter.